Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Raised Evangelical. I am your host, Stephanie, and I have with me today my friend, Ray. How are you, Ray? Fantastic. Yourself? Good. It's good to hear your voice. We talk online all the time, and I have never spoken to you. That's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, life, life happens. It does. It really does. And I think any more social media is how a lot of people connect because, yeah, life happens and takes us in all different directions. But here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Here we are. So I brought you here today because I know that we have discussed um, religion and evangelicalism and all of that at length. And I thought your story was so interesting. Um, So you were raised in a religious home, but you don't really live those beliefs yourself. So could you tell us a little bit about your own background and uh, what happened to send you down a different path? Um, well, with, um, with my family, it was very religious. Um, my mom was in a household where uh, her father would do missionary work from time to time. Um, very, very strict. Um, so much so where if she stepped out of the boundaries a little bit, there was sometimes even physical violence involved. Wow. Um, going on from that, I mean, she even went to a, um, uh, what was it, uh, Bob Jones University. Oh, okay. So, yeah, very, very strict, you know. Um, I remember having to visit this university as a kid because she wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, yeah, Definitely not for me. She wanted me to go, but definitely not for me. Yeah. Um, and then uh, as I was growing up, it was a lot of um, really, this is just the way, you know, there was, mm-hmm. there was never really an explanation behind it. Um, you know, forced to go to church. It was more of um, uh, a Baptist upbringing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so not evangelical, but still strict Baptist. Um, right. So forced a lot to go to church. Um, there was really no allowance for asking why's or how's when it came to the Bible. Um, usually that came down to it just is. Mm-hmm. And I know for myself, I've always been a person that needs to know the how's and why's of everything. That's just, yeah how my brain works. Mm-hmm. So these, these questions I had, you know, they, they would always go unanswered. Um, you know, well, if, uh, I think, I think the biggest one that always got my mom was, well, if the Bible's correct, then why aren't these other religious books correct? Mm. And she's like, well, those, those are, you know, heathen writings and, and all that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, it all, they all talk about different gods. What makes one better than the other? Right. And then I would get the, well, the Bible's real. <laughs> well, that doesn't. That Based doesn't on make, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I mean. Right. Uh, which, you know, my, my argument now is, well, if the Bible's real, then technically I could say then the Lord of the Rings is real and I'm waiting to see some hobbits run around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, as you know, as I grew up, um, there was a point and I want to say it was in, uh, early high school where I actually started to, I want to say really kind of buy into religion. Um, 
you know, regularly attending youth group meetings, regularly going to church, you know, almost accepting the indoctrination of this is how it is. There's nothing else outside of this. This is, this is what it is. And, uh, my mom even took it further and started, you know, donating money to, uh, like the online or the, uh, TV shows like, uh, Oh, what was it? The crystal cathedral power <laughs> hour. And, yeah. um, yeah. uh, like a, a bunch of others. Um, I don't know why I can't think of his name right oh, now. Oh, like 700 club. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, always watching 700 club, all of that. Yeah. PTL. My parents were really into that with Jim yes. and Tammy Faye. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And yep. It, it was, you know, seeing that. And then I started to ask, well, why are we giving them money? Why does God need our money? Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with all of this, I think it was really after I moved out of home that I started to see the real world. Yeah. And when I was seeing the real world, it wasn't just everything is God, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It was a, more of an opportunity to see world from more of a science mind. Mm-hmm. Where if, you know, if there is something out there, there has to be some form of proof other than stories some people back in the dark ages are writing. Right. And then, you know, digging more and realizing that you know, this holy book, the Bible, has been altered so many times throughout history. Yes. Um, just has. to fit <laughs> other people's um, needs and beliefs. Mm-hmm. It made me think, well, then how true can it be if, if you know, people are rewriting it to for their own benefit? Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, again, it opened more questions to me and it started to push me further and further away. And looking at, I think, other cultures also started to push me away a little bit, which, oddly enough, when uh, when I got into martial arts a, a little bit more heavily in my uh, 20s, so I, I, I'd have always done it, but in my 20s, I really started to get into it. My mom was afraid that I was going to become a Buddhist. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'm like, no, that's not, that's not how that works, but right. you're concerned. <laughs> Um, but it was really opening my eyes to other cultures and other beliefs. And I think really the vast majority of religions out there all hold the golden rule, you know, doing to others. Um, so, you know, thinking about that, it's like, well, how this one can't be more true than this one. It's, it's not possible if they're holding the same beliefs here. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, it, it was probably into my mid twenties where I really steered away from it. Um, you know, I, I went to church with even my in-laws because it was kind of that I'm doing a nice thing here. I'm going to go to their church, you know, on, on big right. holidays because that's what they want for the holidays. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then I'm looking around the church and I'm like, there are a lot of pagan symbols inside this church. Yes. And I don't think they realize it. <laughs> like for one, the Christmas tree, which that's, that's a pagan symbol. Um, and then all over the Christmas tree, there's these Celtic knots. And I'm like, 
Oh, okay, wow. last time I checked, the Celts were not Christian. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I even went as far as going into the Bible and pointing out where these things were pagan and they shouldn't be up in a church, which that didn't go over well. So that's, yeah, that, that was a bad idea on my part. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I just open my mouth and things come out. Yes, <laughs> I but do the same. <laughs> I, I want to say... You know, really, though, the biggest problem came with when I realized, you know, there's religions out there that just try to force feed you yeah. that that belief. And I think it's my stubbornness that's like, OK, if you're going to force feed me, it's going to turn me away from it even more. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's kind of where I've gotten to today, where it's like, you know, you can you can have your beliefs, but don't force feed them on me. Or Mm -hmm. force feed them on my kids. Because with my kids, it's more of I want them to figure out the world themselves. Yeah, I'll kind of guide them on right Mm -hmm. and wrong. Because right and wrong is still right and wrong, whether you have a holy book or not. But I I want them to make the decision. And the issue I run into is, you know, now my in-laws who are very religious. And I, I respect that, that, you know, it's something that they hold dear to them but they try to force feed it on my kids. And then they start questioning, well, maybe God did create the universe. I'm like, well, in all possibilities, yeah, that could be a possibility, but we don't have facts to that. Mm -hmm. So look at the facts before you make a decision. So I'm not telling them don't be religious or, you know, uh, be absolutely religious, but make that decision on your own. Exactly. Yes. That's kind of, you know, that's where I am with, with my own family and my son. Um, I'm the only person in my family who is not a Christian. Um, some of my family is evangelical, some are not, but all of them identify as a Christian of one variety or another, and I do not. And, you know, I've had to really draw that line with um, some members of my family and say, you know, my child is not your mission field. And you are not going to use the time that I give you with him to indoctrinate him. And, you know, sometimes he will come home with questions. Um, like you said, you know, maybe God did create the universe. And, and, you know, as much as I hate that they have introduced those ideas to him, it also gives us the opportunity to talk about, like you said, well, let's examine the facts. Are there any facts to support that? Because if you're going to make an extraordinary claim, you have to have extraordinary exactly. proof. And, yeah. And, you know, it, it makes it complicated sometimes with family. And I know that, you know, from our conversations, you know how that is that, you know, sometimes that boundary is not always respected and that gets a little bit dicey. How do you handle that? You know, the, the biggest issue I ran into was when my kids while being, um, uh, taken care of while I was at work and my wife was at work were essentially taken out and baptized, which was a, mm. you know, in my opinion, a big slight against me because it was one of those, you know, you d- it's my kid. You don't have permission to do that. I'd rather them make the decision. You know, of course the argument was, well, if they don't get baptized and something happens, they'll burn in hell. And I'm like, prove it. Yeah. But when it comes into that, my, my thing yeah. is, you know, I, I try to explain, respect my boundaries, 
and I'll respect your boundaries. Because, you know, in the mm-hmm. end, as a human race, we all have our own boundaries and they all should be respected. You know, and, and yeah. yeah, sure, my kids might enjoy going to church from time to time and seeing the other kids there and all that. Um, I mean, last summer, I went to an event with my father-in-law, which was a church uh, camping, like father-son camping outing. And it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. There were a lot of people that were really trying to push religion onto me. And I'm like, you know, I, trying to be understanding of where I am. But mm-hmm. there was a conversation that came up because I was doing my morning workout because that's that's my thing. I, I, I love doing my workouts. So I'm, I'm yes. doing my workout at... <laughs> at this uh, camping park and one of the guys walks up. He's like, wow, God gave you an incredible strength. And I looked at him like, no, God didn't give this to me. I worked for this to say, God gave me this is a cop out. That's saying that you can't do it because God didn't give it to you. Well, that's, that's not the case. Anyone can do this. It just takes the hard work. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of those, Mm -hmm. those little cop outs that I think, bug me a little bit too or people like well you have this because god gave you this well no i i no. busted my butt to get this <laughs> you know i i i'm exercising yeah. six days a week for you know a couple hours you know it right. wasn't just uh, uh poof yeah. here i am this you know magical creature that can do these crazy tricks no you you work for it you know same thing right. with your job you know god didn't yep. give you the promotion Mm-hmm. You worked hard to get the promotion. So yeah, yeah it, it's, it's cop-outs like that, that I think bugged me at that event, but really it was about me spending time with my mm-hmm. boys. So it was still, it was still all good. We had a lot of fun still. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to take, you know, you have to take a little bit of that with, right. with the good that comes from it. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't usually do religious events with my family and stuff, but when we're all together, there's always going to be a family prayer. Um, You know, there's, it's just kind of given that any discussion that takes place, there is going to be a religious slant to it. And, you know, um, sometimes if it's something that I think is actively harmful, I might say something, but most of the time, you know, just like with you, um, you just kind of take it and, and, you know, you let it go. It's like, it's not really worth the aggravation that's going to come from, you know, saying, I don't believe the same way you do, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there's really no point to that other than causing disruption. Um, you know, I did have to have a conversation because uh, my son was introduced to the idea of hell too at the, at the age of four years old. And it was very oh, traumatic yeah. for him. And... Yeah, I mean, you don't tell a four-year-old if you don't believe a certain way, you're going to live in eternal conscious torment. You know, I mean, that's just (laughs) not something a four-year-old needs to be told. Um, So that was very traumatic for him. And I had to have a conversation with my dad, you know, and I I said, I understand these are your beliefs and I understand that these things are important to you. And I'm not saying you can't talk to him about the things you believe in, but there are some things he just doesn't need to know. He doesn't need to be told about eternal conscious torment, especially at such a young age. And, um, 
you know, I even struggle sometimes with discussion of the torture and crucifixion of Christ. I mean, that is such a horrific event. It's like, I, I struggle with what value there is in that other than imposing guilt on people saying, look what this person endured for you. And because of you. Right. Um, and I, I just can't be okay well, with that. I mean, as far as you the know? crucifixion goes, I mean, when it comes down to that, what people fail to realize is there were millions of people crucified before Christ. It was a normal right. uh, quote, normal punishment back in those days to crucify someone for a crime. Um, I believe mm-hmm. like a uh, vast yeah. majority of Spartacus's army was crucified along the roads to Rome. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. we're, we're not praising these people. They stood up for their rights and they stood up for their own freedom, but we don't praise them. Yeah. You know? So it's, it, it right. was the whole crime and punishment thing. And yeah, being made to feel mm-hmm. guilty to try to push someone towards a belief that, you know, that in itself is, um, is wrong. That That's almost a crime into itself of you need to believe this way or else permanent punishment for you. And it's like, oh, yeah, prove it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that also introduced as, as my son gets older and we talk more about these things, um, I was able to talk with him about Pascal's wager, which I'm sure you know what that is. Um, you know, it's the belief that, well, for, in the, from the Christian's perspective, if I'm wrong, I really have nothing to lose. But if you're wrong, you're going to spend an eternity right. in hell. And it really is such a flimsy argument. It's pretty easy to pick apart. And it, it you know, so my son and I talked about that. And I'm like, well, first of all, they assu- the first assumption being made there is that the God that they, they believe in is their God. It could be any right. number of gods. What if it's not their God? What if they're believing in the wrong God? Exactly. You know? And so that, <laughs> that allowed us to, again, I, I was not happy that he was introduced to these ideas, but being able to sit down and talk with him and walk him through, okay, let's examine why this really doesn't make sense. If you look at it, I want him to make his own decisions, but I also want him to have an informed choice in the matter and making a child. I mean, it, I, I think it's wrong to do it to anybody, but especially to do it to a child who is so impressionable and they want to please the people that they love. And if someone they love is saying to them, this is how you have to believe to be right. And, you know, also make me happy. They're going to be inclined to want to do that. And I think that is a crime in itself. As you said, I I really honestly believe evangelizing children is a form of abuse. People are going to disagree with me on that, and that's okay. I lived it. I'm living with the consequences of that. I've seen what it's done to my own child. And I just think evangelizing children is wrong. Sharing beliefs is right. something different. If you're sharing without an agenda, then that's that's a whole different ballgame. But if you're sharing with the intent that you're going to, quote, lead this child to Christ, and you're going to use guilt and shame to do that, that's abusive. So- and I, I will never be silent about that. I don't care well, who is doing yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> mental abuse you know? <laughs> can really be more harmful than even physical abuse. You know, at the end Absolutely. of the day, a, a physical bruise, yeah, that can heal. But that mental abuse, that can last in a person mm-hmm. for an entire lifetime. 
and essentially what what mm-hmm. that's doing is that's just creating that sense of fear of well if i don't do this then i'm not going to be accepted by you know this family member and then you know if if there is a hell i i'm going to go there and be tortured forever well that's that's just ruling right. by fear you know if, if you want to yeah. do this you know uh, you want to really follow the bible i mean according to that it should be you know guide them with caring and love not do it my way or I'm going to torture you forever. You know, right. that's, that's the, really what it comes down to is you're, you're mentally torturing these people into your belief. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. I mean, I remember distinctly when I quote got saved and I was in second grade, I was like seven years old. And I remember it was not a, a decision made out of love. It wasn't a decision made because I believed that, you know, I had a heavenly father who cared about me and wanted the best for me and wanted an eternity with me because he thought I was awesome. I, it was a decision made because I was truly, I had a mortal fear of hell in that moment. I thought if I die today, I'm going to go to hell. So I quote, got saved and I kept praying that prayer again and again and again and again for the next 20 something years because it was never enough. And when you have a, even, even in human relationships, when you have a relationship based on fear, there's no room there for love. There's room for obedience. There's room for submission, but there's not room for love. I don't think that fear and love, in the way we're talking about it can exist together because if you love someone, you're not going to want them to be afraid of you. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you know, then, then you have that, that concept of, well, you, you have God who is this dominating figure of very much do what I say or punishment. You know, I will raise your Mm -hmm. city to the ground. If, if you don't believe in me or worship a different God. But then, you know, supposedly his son comes along, which that's another interesting story and theory that I have on that. But his son comes <laughs> yeah. along and then the story changes of it needs to be peace and love and happiness. And it's like, well, that, you know, that's, that's a big change. You know, he's supposed to be mm-hmm. teaching the teachings of his, his father but his father never taught that way in the Old Testament. It was very much, okay, well, you know, if, if this is how it's going to be, I'm going to, you know, uh, send disease to your entire city, including your children and the women and all this. It's like, well, that's, that's mm-hmm. not very loving. That's, uh, that's, you're not believing right. in me, so I'm going to spank you now. Um, right. And then, you know. I mean, the whole theory on on Jesus, I mean, in that time period, even, which this, again, was a question I had, was in that time period, if a woman were to get impregnated out of wedlock, what's going to happen to her? Well, she's most likely going to be stoned to death for adultery or seducing a man. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. in in, in all possibility, Mm -hmm. because we don't we don't have the facts here, but in all possibility... Right. Jesus could have been Joseph's child. And what better way to hide mm-hmm. that than say, oh, immaculate conception. 
you know, just be like, oh, look, mm-hmm. look, we, we had God's yeah. baby here. So you, you can't kill Mary because, you know, God deemed this, deemed this so. And it's like, well, that, that seems sketchy. Yeah. But then again, you know, Roman mythology, you have Zeus who impregnated everything. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's what amuses me so much when the claims are made that these stories are so unique. You know, no other god has ever. Well, yeah, they have multiple to be fair, times. Zeus had more babies you know? than God. <laughs> right. So I mean, that's tough. he might be a little bit right? more powerful if that's the case. Right. And you know, I recently read a an article. I was just looking it up because I wanted to get the author's name. Uh, it's called "Jesus Was a Rape Baby," and it's by Sarah McDavick Woods and. You can I'll, I can leave a link to that in the description. But she also makes the argument, too, that let's say even it did happen the way that it's written in the Bible. Essentially, that means that she could not Mary could not actively, you know, she couldn't right. give consent. You know what I mean? She, how are you going to say, no, God, I'm not going to have right. your baby? People will say that, you know, because she said, be it unto me according to your will. Well, what is she going? What else would she say? So no matter how you look at it, this is not something that started no. from a good place. Um, no. So, I mean, and people are not going to like that either. And, they're, you know, people will argue that point. But what this really comes down to is, as you said, we don't have the facts. Um, we can only, you know, make assumptions based on what we do know. And really, I've seen, you know, the, the development of the of the scriptures that we have and the way they were canonized and so forth, it's basically like a game right. of telephone. And we have no idea what was said originally, none whatsoever. All we have is thousands of years later, this muddled interpretation of it. And it is applied at will and people cherry pick it to death. Right. And With parts that they don't want, but then add parts that they do. Yeah. Tithing. Tithing was never mm-hmm. originally part of the Bible, but oh, I didn't. Yeah, tithing I didn't, was added in later to help the churches maintain their um, their structures, so they would have funds coming in. Basically, if you mm. the more wealth you had, the closer you were to God. It was a means of of mm-hmm. control for nobility, really. It's like, well, we have more money, therefore we're closer to God, therefore you should listen to us. And isn't that interesting? Because that is still held up as a standard. Because if you criticize a wealthy Christian of any stature, one of the first things that I will hear, this particularly comes from the evangelical camp, though, um, is that's just God blessing. Right, right. That means they're closer to God. They're, they're, God is pleased with them, so he's blessing them financially. And then we have Paula White, <laughs> who, ha- who makes no qualms whatsoever about saying you should forego paying your bills and send her your paycheck instead. Because if you don't, then you're disobeying God because you're supposed to bless his servants and sow seeds oh, right. of faith and all yada yada right. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's just interesting and alarming how easily anything can be taken out of context and twisted and used to manipulate people the way it happened over and over again, even in the very beginning, um, you know, Jesus 
as a as a person was not written about as a god right originally you know the jews did not see jesus as a god all of that was added later you know from what we know again we don't know we can't we don't know what the original text said or maybe someone somewhere does i shouldn't say nobody knows (laughs) i don't know (laughs) but what what we do what we do know is that from what we can tell jesus was not seen as a god until later on and when it was more convenient and then that allowed certain elements to take more control over the populace by by declaring themselves you know god's agents on earth or something i don't know what they right right but and, you know there and then there were just a lot of <clears throat> awkward conveniences in the bible you know like okay the yes. resurrection of, of of christ it's like okay so there's two guards outside there you're not telling me that someone that brought them water couldn't have drugged them dragged the body out and then just said oh no he walked out on his own I mean, slipping right. slipping some LSD right. into someone's water back then would not have been super hard. You know, it, I mean, there were no. people that saw things no. because they didn't realize that the lead in their plates and, and glasses was causing a problem. That's true. That so, is true. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's not so far-fetched no, I mean, at it all. It could be just random hallucination, you know, Um yeah. These guys have Legionnaires' and, disease now and don't know it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, in like the issue with the lead in in the cookware and so forth, um, that wasn't no. even that long ago, you know. So, if that's happening even in fairly recent history, even with the uh, advances in medicine and science that were available at that time, who knows what was going on a few thousand years ago when these things supposedly right. took place. Um, the, the mental contortions people are willing to, to twist themselves into, to say that, no, this is factual. And I 100% believe it. And what I always heard growing up was like, when you questioned anything, God's word says it, I believe it, that settles it. And intellectually, that was as far as anyone in my church was trained to go. And then if you really had questions you would buy books like um, Josh McDowell's mm-hmm. apologetics books. Those books are not written to convince an unbeliever. Those books are written to affirm believers who are starting exactly. to question their faith. Because all Christian apologetics, from what I can tell, and I've seen a lot of them over the years, from what I can tell, you have to start with two basic assumptions. First, you have to start with the belief that there is a God. Secondly, you have to believe that that God is the Christian God. And if you don't believe either one of those two things, neither of which can be proven, you just have to believe it. If you don't believe those two things, everything that comes after that doesn't matter. If you're not starting with those basic assumptions. Right. And Um, there were so many, so many questions based on. Are you still there? I think I lost you, Ray. Something like a, a call just tried to pop in on me here. I hope I didn't lose you there. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> because of like some traumatic experiences right. I had, you know, as, as a kid, this all knowing and all seeing 
it didn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, brings up, I, I want to say it's a very touchy subject. So, I mean, if anyone out there, you know, okay. is offended by it, I do apologize. But the issue of, for example, suicide. God is all-knowing and all-seeing. He supposedly knows everything we're going to do from the moment we're conceived until the moment of our death. Which, you know, that is the definition of all-knowing and all-seeing. But at the same time, suicide was always seen as a mortal sin. If you commit suicide, you automatically go to hell. So my question was... To my mom once, well, if God is all-knowing and all-seeing and someone commits suicide, then he knew he was that they were going to do that from the moment they were born. Therefore, they were doomed at the moment of conception to go to hell. They had no choice in the matter. So he's punishing them without them actually getting a choice. And that mm-hmm. that blew my mind. I'm like, yeah. that doesn't make sense. If If he wants us, you know... To believe he's all knowing and all seeing, then he he then made a mistake, and God can't make right. mistakes. So where where's mm-hmm. where's that line at? Where where is it where he's either all knowing and all seeing, or he's a very cruel God and knows you're going to do this and just wants to punish you anyway? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean. If if God is all-knowing and all-seeing, and he knew that his creation was going to do this whole thing of falling into sin at all, sin of any kind, making us worthy of punishment, right. he knew all this. That means he created a good number of us exactly. just to suffer eternally. And I, the more I thought about that as I got older and began to see life, you know, as you did from other cultures and from a different perspective, as I ventured out more into the world and, and began to understand that not everybody believes the way I do, um, those were questions that I could not comfortably answer. We're given all kinds of formulas for how that is supposedly just and supposedly good, but there is no rational person who is going to look at that situation and say, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And a good and gracious and loving God would absolutely 100% do that. How does that make sense? And then, you know, it just kind of starts to crumble at that point, because if you believe, if you can really believe that God made humans ultimately just to have us suffer, do not try to sell me then that God is a loving God and don't, you dare try to tell me that he is a God worthy of my worship because a God that would do that absolutely is not worthy of worship and definitely is not worthy of having me in his service. You know, that's, that's where I'm coming at it from at this point in my life. I mean, okay, let's say God is everything I was ever told that he was in terms of all knowing, all seeing, all powerful. That means that he has knowingly allowed some horrific oh, things absolutely. to happen. That, yeah, and that's not a loving God. And I, I mean, honestly, that seems like a very weak, vindictive, capricious God. And I can't get past that. Even if I were to say, yep, that God is real, I cannot get past that. Right. I mean, if, if he actually had all this power, 
I would firmly believe then that, you know, things like, for example, the Holocaust would have never happened. Because it, according to, you know, the Bible, for example, um, Jewish people are his chosen people. Why would you let your chosen people suffer in such a way? When you have all this right. power, you know, and that's that's not to mm -hmm. cast, you know, disbelief on the Jewish faith or anything like that. But it's a real question. I mean, mm -hmm. it, why why would you let yeah. this creation that you say you love suffer in such a way? And a lot of times I would get that. Well, that's that's the free will of man that God gave us. And I'm like, that's mm -hmm. that's another cop out, because if he's all powerful, he yeah. can step in at any minute. And stop this. But he's choosing not mm -hmm. to then. Yeah. And it again comes back to if he knew that was going to happen. And he created man to do this anyway. So he created us to do horrific and horrible and unspeakable things to each other. And then to suffer an eternity with uh, eternal conscious torment. And he knew all right. that ahead of time. That's no, not a good no. guy. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and so, I, I, you know, oh, go ahead. Yes. I mean, all the gods through history, they definitely had their moments of, you know, stories of torturing mankind and, and all of that. I mean, even the story, mm -hmm. you know, that Clash of the Titans is based on about, um, you know, Perseus's journey and all that. The gods were torturing mm -hmm. mankind for that. You know, if, if they wanted to survive, mm -hmm. they had to show they were worthy to survive. It's, it, right. it's kind of even the same story yeah. with this is, okay, if we're going to be deemed worthy to survive, he has to send Jesus here to help us. And I'm like, well, right. these stories are starting to line up a little too much. It's like, okay, well, we've got this story. Let's just add a different twist on it and make this religion now. Yeah. And it's so funny because the way I grew up, um, and probably you as well, and many other people of any kind of Christian, you know, we were kind of taught to look at those stories and laugh. Oh, what ridiculous fiction. How could a God behave that right. way? How absurd. Yet, we're taught to uh, unflinchingly embrace, you know, the par the myths and so forth, myths and myths and parables and legends from the Bible, the Christian Bible, as truth. And it really is, it requires such a cognitive dissonance to say that one is true and the other is not, and one should be questioned and ridiculed and dismissed and the right. other should not. And you know, one thing growing up in the evangelical church, I, I knew from a very young age is that you just don't ask questions like you said it just is because once you start asking questions and you see it doesn't make any sense then not only uh, you know are people displeased with you but then you get labeled all kinds of things um and in the church i grew up in it was you know you were you're backsliding um you're being deceived yeah. by satan um you're in rebellion against god i got that a lot growing up you're in rebellion against god because i would ask questions because you know, even from a fairly young age, some of it just never made sense to me, um, especially the free will bit, because, you know, the Bible never really makes it clear. Are we acting on free will or are we acting on predetermined forces of action? It doesn't really right. make that clear. You could pick one verse and say one thing and pick another verse and say another thing. 
And, you know, there's the tension between free will and predestination. And again, that was never explained. So I, I remember thinking even from a very young age, well, if this is true, and if there really is only one way to save our eternal souls, it seems like that would be made pretty clear. Because if it doesn't matter what I do anyway, because my course has already been laid out for me, then why are you putting so much pressure on me? Because what's going to happen is going to happen, you know? And why do I need to go out and witness to my friends if they've already been predestined to be in heaven or be in hell? If God already knows, what's the exactly. point? And, or, or, or what's the point of praying if the outcome has already been determined, you know? And those were questions that they were very basic questions, but they really kind of began a very, very slight unraveling of faith that really kicked into high gear when I went to Bible college of all places. Because, because once you start understanding how the canonization of scripture happened and what were the driving forces behind the expansion of Christianity, there is just, in my mind, no way you can look at that and say, yes, that is definitely the work of a loving Heavenly Father. No, it was the work of political schemes and machinations that now, made that essentially possible. Essentially a system of control. And, exactly. You know, I, I think, exactly. you know, thinking of how, how kids get, in a lot of cases, pushed into it. You know, um, the, the physicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, I feel kind of said it best, that all children are born scientists. They're curious. They have this... Mm-hmm exploration mind where they want to know the answers of the whys and hows and you know how's this work why is this do that and slowly through becoming an adult whether it be the will of their parents or school or you know religious members it's slowly beaten out of them with the Mm -hmm. this is what it is and it's one thing that I, I try so consciously to prevent doing to my kids is if they have questions, mm-hmm. I want to give them more of an answer than it just is. You know, I want yeah. to, you know, if, if I don't know an answer, then there's no shame in saying, I don't know. But hey, let's go look it up together. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a better chance yes. to learn. And unfortunately, with a a lot of this, you know, a lot of religious upbringings, it it is the, well, it just is because the book says so. And so many kids have these questions, Mm -hmm. but then it's, it's never answered because it's essentially brainwashed into them of, well, it just is. Yeah. And it's, it's not an acceptable answer. And, you know, even with, with my work, you know, I, I have clients that will ask me questions. And if I don't know the answer, I will take the time to research it, to give them that correct answer, because I don't want to mislead anyone. And I I feel that should be important for anyone to be willing to say, you know what, I don't know for sure. Let me find out and I will get back Mm -hmm. to you. Not the Mm-hmm. Well, it just is because I say so. Yeah, and I'm, right. I will admit I'm guilty of that sometimes where, you know, that kids <laughs> kind of get on your last nerves. You're like, because I say so. 
Oh, sure. <laughs> I think every parent So I, I will that. not in any way say I'm <laughs> perfect and never say because I say so, because I, I am guilty of that on more than one occasion. But oh, sure. No, there, there's yep. plenty of times where it's <laughs> like, well, I, I've had my my oldest son who I swear this kid is going to be a super genius or an evil genius. I'm not sure which. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, one, of, one of his current <laughs> life goals is to build a robot army to conquer Earth and build his base on Mars. So the oh, good wow. guys can't get that's to That's ambitious. Him. You know, that's, oh, that's a little wow. too genius and a little concerning. <laughs> but I love you know, it, though. He, he'll ask questions. <laughs> well, you know, what what makes a black hole? And I'm like, well, that's a that's a hard question, buddy, mm-hmm. because we don't know for sure. But we'll sit down and we'll watch right. movies that try to explain, you know, scientifically what that is. Not a well, they're just there because yep. they're there. You know, or what what causes exactly. a star to be made? Yep. Well, here here's here's the answer behind it. Yeah. Not the well, you mm-hmm. know, back in the beginning, God created the heavens and the no. No, I can't do that. It is amazing to me that even with everything we know now and all of the information that is available, well, I guess it's not amazing. Amazing maybe in the in the worst possible (laughs) meaning of the word (laughs) that the default in so many Christian publications is still. Isn't it amazing that God hung these stars in the heavens? (laughs) You know. And they'll they'll mention something that NASA discovered with one of their space telescopes, and it's it's a, a huge deal. Uh, we don't understand how that happened because God made the universe. We don't understand all the mysteries of the universe because that is for God to know, and for us to just look at with awe and wonder. I'm like, what? I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, sometimes, like, I mean, I love my dad to pieces. I need to just say that right up front. I love my father. But I have had to stop him mid-sentence occasionally because, you know, like Jaden will be talking about something that he's really excited about, something he saw on YouTube, some scientific discovery, and, and he has questions about it and so forth. And my dad will start spewing that. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> we're not going to do that. There is science behind what he's discussing here. And if we don't know it off the top of our heads, then we will go find it. We don't just put it in answer because it right. sounds good at the moment, you know? Um, you know, we're not born with a default to put faith in things that can't be proven. As you said, that's something that we're conditioned right. to do. And I'm very much like you in that I'm, I'm making the conscious effort not to do that. Um, does it get frustrating at times that the kids ask, you know, uh, at least I'm guessing 1,572 yeah. questions <laughs> a day. That's just my ballpark guess. That seems low. <laughs> sure, <yeah>. it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I would rather him ask the questions, even if at, you know, nine o'clock at night, I'm getting a little irritated and I'm like, you know, it's time to start quieting down for sleep. Let's do right. that. <laughs> um, I'd rather he ask. And like you said, just saying, I don't know, but let's find out. Then feeling afraid to ask or thinking, if I don't understand something, then the default answer is, well, God did it. 
because where has that gotten us? I mean, Multiple crusades and, you know, uh, we have uh, holy wars that still rage on today. Yeah, absolutely. We're in, you know, legal policies that are punishing people for their sexuality or their gender identity or punishing uh, a person with a uterus for being sexually active and, oh, got pregnant, didn't want to be pregnant, you know, trying to make it impossible for that person to determine the course for their own life because they believe in, you know, there are some people out there who believe the irony of believing on one hand in the sanctity of life and on the other hand, believing that migrant children should be thrown in cages and die of the flu. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. But if you can say, well, God did it to anything that doesn't make sense to you, you don't have to think through those things. You don't have to think through the things that don't really add up if you think about it. You know, the inequity of so many things that we allow for in right. our culture, because there is still a good slice of our culture that just defaults to, well, God did it. Right, right. And, you know, I I do, like I said, I do have a lot of friends of all different faiths and religions, you know, everything mm-hmm. from, you know, Muslim to Catholic to um, Buddhist. Um, you know, all different backgrounds, mm-hmm. but I will say the vast majority of them still somewhat have a science mind to them where it's, well, mm-hmm. science has explained it. So, you know, here's the fact behind it. No, it's not right. All these stars are strung about in the heavens necessarily because God put them there, but here's the science about right. how those stars formed. It's, mm-hmm. It's stuff like that that, you know, in a way, I guess you could say gives me hope for, you know, for religion is not everyone is going to be that closed minded. And that was always my concern was because there are a lot of very, very closed minded uh, religious people out there. That's Mm -hmm. that was my concern is that everyone was going to be that closed minded. But realizing that there are people out there that are willing to see things for what they are, then it's like, okay, you know, we're, we're good here because you, you see the science and yeah, if something Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense, okay, well maybe based on this for you, you know, God doesn't want us to know it. Okay. That's, that's your call on that, but you're not force feeding me that. So we're good. Where in my mind, it's the well, we just haven't figured it out quite yet. We're close, but haven't figured it out yet. Mm Kind of like, um, you know, with some of our most powerful telescopes, we're almost, not there yet, but almost able to see back to when the Big Bang happened. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing to me to think about that. It's like, okay, we are seeing back in time, you know, billions of years in the past. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not quite back to that beginning. And, you know, some people say, well, you can't see that beginning yet because that was God creating it. Well, okay, that's one theory. But let's keep it as a theory. And, you know, sometimes I'll hear that, well, gravity is a theory. And I'm like, it's only because we don't see it. But I promise you, if you fall off that building, you are going to hit the ground. Gravity is there. Right. You know, there's something pulling you downward. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I promise you, if you fall off that building, there's not going to be this magical hand coming down and catching you before you hit the pavement. 
exactly. I think that there is room to be, um, you know, there's room for a lot of different beliefs. And we can all let other people believe what they believe. Um, really, the only time I take issue with it is when I see those beliefs being used to actively harm other people. Um, it has been my experience because of where mm -hmm. I came from, you know, my background. Um, the beliefs that I grew up with are measurably harmful. And it's only been in the last, I don't know, five or six years maybe that I've become aware that there are more Christians who do not hold those harmful beliefs, that they still have their faith, but they also, as you said, they still value science. They still respect people's sexuality, their, their gender identity. Um, they respect people's freedom to live the life that they want to live. Um, and that is, for me, has been a very new experience. And I will admit that I, I still have, you know, when somebody tells me they're a Christian, my, my defenses go up because my experience for most of my life has been your intention is to harm me somehow, you know, and it has, it has taken work <laughs> to understand and to really see that there are uh, people of, a lot, of all faiths out there, but for me specifically, Christians who don't have an intention of harming another person. And they see their faith as a personal journey, not something that they need to go out and try to put on other people and try to uh, scare them into with the threat of hell. That has been a completely new experience for me. And it's been a refreshing experience. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't change my position at all, but that's not the intention of their faith anyway. They see their faith as a personal thing. And I think that, that if there was ever any intention for God's relationship, you know, if there is a God and he wanted a relationship with us, it was meant to be a personal thing. It was never meant to be something that, well, I have this relationship and you should, right. you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, so I, I, I feel oh, exactly what you're saying here where it's, it, it should be a personal thing, just like, you know, with my, uh, I want to say martial art career. This is my personal journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, right. I can lead you down this path if you want to go down it, but in the end, you have to walk it, not me. You right. know, it's it, it's a personal thing, and it should be a personal thing. You know, I can I can tell people mm -hmm. all day about stuff I do in martial arts, and if they want to listen, great. If they don't want to listen, it doesn't hurt me at all. I'm just here because this is what I do. You know, when people walk into my business, they're walking in because they want to know information. I'm not going out in the street and force feeding them the, you have to do this or else this is your punishment. No, it's, you know, right. if you want information, okay, you're coming to me. I'm not giving you unsolicited info. Right. And that's how it should be. Um, you know, I remember uh, as a kid, as a teenager, being given the chick tracks. Do you remember those? Oh, um, yes. The cheesiest little comics. But, they, you know, they look like little comic books, but they had the most condemning message, the most 
horrible messages in them. And we would be given a stack of those and told, you know, go out and witness, share with your friends and stuff. And even back then, I just, you know, I tried to do that for a time. I tried to be that person. And it just never felt right. It never, it felt gross to me to go and and impose my beliefs on someone like that. Because let's be honest, there really is no casual way to bring your eternal fate into a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) There's no subtle way to say, you know, if you don't believe the way I do, you're destined for eternal conscious torment. Let's talk about that. There's no nice way to say that. Um, and, And even back at that time, it just felt like, what right do I have to do that to someone? And also going back to that idea of free will versus predestination. Let's say it's true that because in my church, there was some belief. It, it wasn't a belief everyone held, but the idea was tossed around that if someone is not aware of the gospel, are they still accountable for not knowing it? And some people believed that, well, no, they aren't. If they didn't know, they didn't know. And so then I thought, well, but if they don't know and we tell them, aren't we kind of really messing yeah, up Yeah, you're now for responsible for their you know, eternal damnation if they don't believe. Right, if they don't believe. So again, it was just another thing that didn't make sense. But it, it for so many people that I talked to, it was those questions that ended up taking us down a different road and really giving us a completely different life than we thought we would have had we adhered to those beliefs. I mean, how is your life different from what it might have become if you had stayed in the path that your parents wanted for you? Oh, man, if I stayed in the path my parents wanted for me, I would have went to Bob Jones University. Um, <laughs> I would have, they, they really wanted uh, me to kind of go that route of, um, you know, really preaching to other people. And I'm like, I'm looking back at that. I'm like, man, I feel I dodged a bullet here. Of course, I still did make the mistake of listening to my parents when I went to school. Um, Because always being science minded, you know, good with physics, good with math. They originally wanted me to, you know, Mm -hmm. also go to school for electrical engineering. And I think a couple of years in, I realized Mm -hmm. I hated it. And I'm like, wow, why did I listen to them? I should have figured out what I want to do with my life, considering it's my life. So, Mm -hmm. no, it's Mm -hmm. kind of a message I I do want to pass on to my kids of, I will give you some ideas, but at the end of the day, it's your life to live, not mine. Yeah. And that is so important because I didn't grow up in an environment that empowered me to make those decisions. Um, when you're, you know, I grew up in an environment that told me my life was not really my own and my decisions for my future had to align with God's purposes for my life. And I needed to make sure that, that the choices that I was making were going to be within God's will. So there was really no way for me to really know what I wanted, uh, what direction I wanted to take my life. And that caused, um, lifelong consequences Mm -hmm. for me. And it is so important to empower your kids to know that they're capable of making decisions. You know, they're capable as they get older of charting out a course for their life. I mean, to, 
I, I just don't know what purpose would come from trying to to uh, take away a child's empowerment like that. I mean, I don't think that we're naturally born into feeling like we're completely incapable of living our life. I definitely think that's something that we have to be conditioned to believe. Right. And, you know, I've, I try to make that conscious choice too, um, of allowing my son to make his decisions. Now, and I was recently challenged on this and I'll tell you the story. <laughs> um, I uh, homeschooled my son for a little over a year. He was going through some stuff at school and it just was not good. So I was like, let's do some homeschooling. And I did that for about a year. I'm not going to say it went spectacularly well, but he got the uh, mental health break that he needed. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he started going to, like, they call them specials at his school. He had started okay. doing art again, just going in for art class. He came, I picked him up one day and he says, mom, I'm ready to go back full time. And immediately I was like, you know, are you sure? Remember what happened last time? It didn't go well last time, and I just don't want to see you go through that again. And he, rightfully so, got angry. And he said, Mom, you have to let me try. I am making a decision, and you're trying to talk me out of it, and I don't like that. And I'm sitting there, like, thinking, well, he's right, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he's like, and he, he called me out on it. He's like, you know, you always tell me. I can make decisions for myself and you want me to, to do what seems right to me. And, and you tell me all these things. And then when I actually want to do it, you don't want me to. That's, you know, good for him. And, and yeah, and he was right. He was 100% correct. And so after I sat there <laughs> mad for a while, <laughs> I told him that you're right. And yes, you can go back. And you know what? He's been back for a little over a week. He's been sick the last couple of days because, you know, schools are like Petri dishes and or Petri dishes oh, yeah. and you just pick up everything, you know, little play back. <laughs> so he's been sick. And I knew that was going to happen when he went back. I'm like, it's only a matter of time. So, but he is doing so much better. And he said to me after I said, you've been in school a whole week. How are you doing? And he said, you know, I'm doing great, mom. I'm so happy that I'm back. And he said, mom, you really should have listened. Cause he had asked me at the beginning of the school year, if he could go back and I didn't feel like he was ready. And, you know, and he said, you really should have listened to me back then because I was ready then. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm sorry. Um, this has been a lesson for me too. And, you know, there comes a point where, you have to trust what you've taught your children. And that was the big lesson for me. Getting here. past that parental um, ego, which we're all guilty of having. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully, um, the last few months he was doing the whole homeschooling thing. I didn't put an intense amount of pressure on him like I had been trying to do to try to get him to fit into this mold of what I thought homeschooling should look like. So the last few months were not nearly as difficult. But had I listened to him when he said that the first time, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it just would have been a few less months of feeling like he wasn't being heard. And, you know, yeah, at some point you have to accept, you know, you have to, you have to ask yourself, do I trust what I've taught my children or not? Right. You know, 
do I really believe what I've been saying or not? And boy, was that a challenge for me. And I will, I will step up and own that. I mean, I, I didn't trust what I had taught him. And that was a lesson because I, because of my own history of having been taught, I'm not capable of making good decisions for myself with as much as I wanted to empower him to do that. When it finally came down to it, I resisted and, you know, thank goodness he called me out (laughs) and I'm glad he, and that was another, you know, that was another conscious choice that I made with him, that if he's feeling disrespected or like he's not being heard, he's allowed to tell me that. I have to do better about how I respond to it clearly, <laughs> but he's allowed to say, you know, you're, you're not respecting me. You're not hearing me, mom. And right. I have to own. That. Right. And I, I think, you know, every parent is going to run into that at some point where, you know, that kid's going to mm-hmm. stand up for himself and say, this is what I need. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we really have to take that step back and evaluate it and be like, okay, you know, let's, yeah. let's, let's go yeah. into that. Let's discuss it. You know, is it, is it actually mm-hmm. a need or is it just a want? You know, because there's things yeah. I need and there's things I want, you know, like for example, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There was a uh, Bob Ross <laughs> action figure I found. I didn't need it, Oh, but I wanted it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, yes. it's totally in my office now. <laughs> So, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah of i mean course it, it is you know everyone's and got I, that where it's you know need ahead. versus want and you know sometimes you do have to mm-hmm. give into the want a little bit but you know sure. people need to also listen to the needs and you know i think that is a, a yeah. major you know even world issue right now because people are pushing their beliefs and claiming you don't need this because my mm-hmm. belief says so. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's one of those, right. no, you're wrong. It's, it's, they need this because they need this, not because they just want it. It's, it's an actual mm-hmm. need, you know, like the, you know, right. like you said, the, the kids that are put in these, in these camps right now, yes, they do need mm-hmm. these vaccinations. Yes, they do need proper care. You know, but you're saying because they you're, you're claiming they don't belong here, even though we're a nation built on immigration, that mm-hmm. they need to just be thrown in these camps until you can find the time to figure out what to do with them. Well, that's that's not acceptable. Yeah. You can't hide behind a faith on that. No. You, you know, according to your faith, you have to love thy neighbor, which means you take care of them. You help them when they're in need not when it's convenient. So yeah, Mm -hmm. using, using that as a shield to hide behind it is not okay. You have to look at the wants and needs, Mm -mm. you know, even when it comes down to your kids, you you have to listen to what they need and what they want. And, you know, yeah, sometimes we don't all get what we want and that's acceptable. It has Mm -hmm. to be acceptable. But when it comes down to the needs, you know, people are entitled to their needs and they should be listened to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this situation, I had to step back and ask myself, what is it about me that I'm going to have to deal with if I, when I send him back that I'm trying to avoid? 
you know, because I think sometimes in any relationship, when someone is asking you to um, trust them a little more with something that, you know, stretches the stretches your personal boundaries a little bit, but not in a bad way, not asking to violate those boundaries, just asking you to trust mm-hmm. what you've said all along. Um, and there, if you're feeling resistance to it, like I was, I had to get honest with myself and, and question, is this about him or is it about me? And guess what? Mm-hmm. It wasn't about him because he, you know, like I knew he was ready. But there was a part, and I still haven't figured out exactly what that was, but there was something that I needed that unfortunately I was making him suffer for. And that, you know, and I think that part of my own journey out of the faith and into a more, more a life lived more freely is also having the freedom to be honest with myself about those things. Because I think, um, especially in, in certain faiths, there is this desire to see that by having that faith, everything is within you is made good and holy and, and there are no issues. And that's so mm-hmm. dishonest. And when you know, you're raised on that for a lifetime, learning how to step back and, and own, own your bullshit is a process. <laughs> you know, We all have it. We all have it, and it, it it takes a lot of courage to to step up and own that, and more than that, to act in a way that is contrary to what your bullshit is telling you to do. And that was another gift um, from that experience was learning how to say, you know what, I've got this bullshit I need to deal with, and. I've been able to avoid it up until now, but now some other things that I believe that I've taught my son are now rising up against this defense mechanism I've put in place. And one of those two things has to go and it's going to be my bullshit. (laughs) 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 I mean, that was not something that I think is modeled in a lot of faith traditions, at least and certainly not in the ones that I, I was raised in. And, you know, I think that when you've come out of, of, a faith tradition, especially, I think, any kind of anything approaching fundamentalism, um, conscious parenting, like, like consciously making those choices as a parent. um, It's an intentional thing. It is an intentional experience, rather than just parenting by default, you know, um, what, what is it in the in Matilda that they say, I'm bigger, you're smaller, I wish I could remember it. Anyway, essentially saying I'm older than you and I'm smarter than you and I'm bigger than you and I'm stronger than you. So you right. Can do what I say. Right. That's unfortunately the um, a, a very worldwide mentality. Not everyone, but yeah. unfortunately, when it comes to, you know, uh, people in charge, that's kind of their cop out is, well, hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. I've been here longer. I know my I, 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 well, I, I pretend to know my stuff and you're just going to believe everything that comes out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. yeah oh here it is i found it it's i'm right and you're wrong i'm big and you're small and there's nothing you can do about it that's kind of a mentality that is familiar to a lot of us very much so um and so getting beyond that has been that in itself has been a journey that was a part of my own deconstruction from faith that i did not anticipate 
um, is how challenging parenting was going to be when I didn't default to the methods that mm -hmm. were used on me. You know, um, I'm in charge. You just do what I say. Don't question it. That's just, a, that, that's that been a mind-blowing experience for me <laughs> because it is so contrary. The, the way I'm raising my son is so contrary to anything I was ever taught. And sometimes it's a little bit bewildering um, because I really do want my son to feel that he has agency over his life to the degree that it's safe and makes sense to let him do that. And that's just not something that I was raised. Right. With. And you know, that in a way is why I was, I was kind of thankful to wait to have kids until, you know, I was in my thirties because that gave mm -hmm. me that opportunity to open my eyes to the world where it was, mm -hmm. It, it's not just one way or the other. There is another way yeah. of doing things, you know, um, listening to what that kid wants. I'm, you know, I found out this is important. You know, it's not just mm -hmm. a blind want or a blind need. It's, you know, if he wants to study this with his life, more power to him. If he wants to do it until he's, you know, 15 and then changes his mind and wants to do something else. I have to respect that that is that is what his life is leading him towards. You know, if for one reason yeah. or another, one or both of my kids decides they want to pursue religion further, I'm not making it my life goal to stop them from that. You know, it's it's their life right. choice. But I want them to make the educated decision on whether or not it's right for them. And it is hard at times to not want to interject and say, you know, yeah. okay, if you do this, this is what's going to go wrong. Now, yeah, when injuries are about to happen, mm -hmm. sometimes you, you <laughs> step back and you're like, yeah, yeah. this is going to hurt and I'm going to be ready to, you know, to clean up the yeah. tears, but it's going to be that lesson that's just going to, you know, it, it has yeah. to be learned and I don't intentionally ever try to put them in harm's way but you mm -hmm. know life of a kid sometimes they do stuff without you looking and then it it's like right. what happened buddy <laughs> yes um, yeah. yes they do <laughs> and you know they they come to my work after after school and sometimes that stuff oh. happens where it's like we're gonna play sure. dodgeball with this you know giant swiss ball and then Oh, no. Yeah, I hear one get hit and they hit the ground and I hear the tears welling up and it's like, all right, well, this is oh, why no. you shouldn't do that. And, you know, right. Uh, I think, you know, with, oh. with my oldest son, like I said, he's he's very science minded or my my youngest is very much, I mm -hmm. guess you could say the love bug. Where um, yeah. me and my oldest, we will sit and watch science documentaries all the time. He can't, he can't get oh, enough of them. That. Yeah. Um, that and mm -hmm. anytime there's giant monsters or giant robots, he's all about it. Mm -hmm. But I remember getting told by one of his teachers because they were talking about space that my oldest son explained the fourth dimension to his teacher because his teacher didn't know what it was. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I cannot be more proud right now. <laughs> that my yeah. my kid educated his teacher and even better 
the teacher sat back and listened and admitted, I learned something new today. And I'm like, this, this is a good school to be in. I'm, I'm okay with this school. Yeah. And my, my youngest one, I don't know if he, right now he just wants to do whatever his brother's doing, which gets on his brother's nerves, of course, because that's, that's how that works. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, I remember that with my sister. Yeah. That's how that works. My little brother, he wanted to do everything I was doing. And then I just hated him for it because of it. But that's, that's kids in general. And yeah, that's kids. you know, right now they're. slowly learning how to cook and fend for themselves, you know, little things here and there. But mm-hmm. again, it's that, sure. you know, mom and dad aren't always going to be around. So let's learn things here that, so you can help yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I heard a phrase a while ago, this was years ago, actually. Um, it was, it's the dignity of failure. And we live in a culture that places such a high premium on never experiencing Mm -hmm. failure. And when I think about our kids, you know, I think, you know, they're going to ask to be, to be involved in situations that, you know, are not going to end. You know it, but as you said, allowing them to experience those things, Um, you know, like maybe you have a kid who, you know, not you, but just in general, have a kid who wants to try out for different sports and you know, they're not an athlete. And I think that there's, you know, an, an, um, an instinct to want to protect them, you know, because you know, it's just not end well, (laughs) but everybody I think needs to know how to experience failure with grace and to know that they're not defined by that failure. And that is something even at, you know, uh, almost 45 years old, I'm still learning. You know, um, my life took a dramatic turn when I was diagnosed with cancer years ago and my health never recovered from that. And so the feeling that I am defined by all the things I couldn't do is something I really seriously struggle with. And there is so much value in learning how to find dignity and saying that you tried something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you had to do spectacularly well with it, but you know how many people don't try because they're afraid to fail. You know, there is dignity in failure because it means you right. tried. Right. And you know, I, I want to say I even experienced that, you know, within the last year because mm-hmm. I, can tell you when you know in high school and all that I was never an artistic person never ever mm-hmm. an artistic person you know my drawing was wow. horrible all that but I decided you know mm-hmm. last August you know what I'm gonna try painting and you know <laughs> what it yeah it seems to be going okay so far because I had to mm-hmm. jump over you that make- fear of failure yeah yeah, think of all the things that people would never do, you know, if, if they fear, if the fear of failure was so overpowering. I mean, there's so many, so many beautiful things in this world, so many inventions, so many things that make life better and easier and more enjoyable that if somebody had just been, had been too afraid to fail that they never tried, we wouldn't right. have them. And that's true in our everyday day-to-day lives too. And, you know, um, 
more and more I'm finding with myself and with how I'm raising my son, uh, there is something to be said. It's okay if I fail. It's okay. I'm still going to try. When I started this, I mean, my God, I record this podcast in my hall closet, surrounded (laughs) by my clothes, sitting on a little step stool with a tablet, a microphone, and a guest. And I'm just hoping for the best every single time. People seem to enjoy it, though. And if I had said, I don't have what it takes, you know, I don't have the right equipment. I don't have the right personality. I'm good. This is going to end badly. I'm just not going to do it. I mean, I've heard from so many people that they find validation in this podcast. They find hope. They find words to express what they don't know how to express because of their experiences. And do I have a huge, massive following? No, I don't. But I don't have to. Are your um, paintings ever going to be world famous? Maybe not. We don't know yet because they are good. (laughs) But does that, I mean, they don't have to be to be successful. I think that we need to redefine success for ourselves. And in doing that, you know, you can redefine it for your children. I mean, (laughs) you know, I didn't grow up with any sense that failure was okay. And that is something that I'm really trying hard to instill in my son is it's okay to try and, and, find out that wasn't for you that's right that's you know, fine that's actually that's, that's a really a big good thing. thing that i try to give to all of my clients at my gym is mm-hmm. a lot of them will come to me and say i can't do that and i look back at them and say no that's not true you may not be able to do it yet but eventually if you work hard it'll happen and they're like, you know, what? I, I didn't think of it that way. And I'm like, yeah, get rid of the idea of can't get rid of that idea completely mm-hmm. and start saying not yet. Not because yet. that's that's the real truth. I mean, you know, there's 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 a lot of people out there that have, you know, chronic illnesses that bounce back from it. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's all that mentality of, yep, this is it. This is this is my my final time only to find out this isn't my final time yet. Right. So it, exactly. And it, you know, it's a, you oh, know go ahead. just changing your mind frame of going from can't to not yet, or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work a little harder towards mm-hmm. this and figure it out because I'll tell right. you that it did not happen. The first 10 or 15 tries for me to do, you know, if, if you've seen it on Facebook, me doing that human flag, that mm-hmm. did not yep. happen my first 100 tries. You know, I, I busted right. my butt and kept working towards it and kept telling myself, nope, not yet, not yet, but I'm going to keep doing it. And then mm-hmm. eventually, you know, now I'm, I'm doing that and many other crazy things that are probably going to get me injured one day. But uh, it, it's just that testament of, yeah. no, I have not always been strong, but. I busted my butt to get there, and here I am now. Mm-hmm. And I'm also learning, too, that sometimes, as life happens, um, you might have to adjust your vision a little bit. Not for less, right. but for different. Different is not bad, you know? Um, because of the situation I'm in right now with my life, I was able to write a book. I'm able to host this podcast. 
Um, would that have happened if I were still doing the things I had been doing before I got sick? Probably not, because I didn't have the mindset that I do now. I didn't have the experiences to draw from. Um, I didn't have the desire to, you know, I was, I will step up and admit I was very selfish before I got sick, you know, and, and doing things, um, you know, going through some things just changes you and a chronic illness changes a person. Sometimes if the person doesn't have the support that they need and the resources that they need, that change can definitely be an unfortunate one because chronic illness can be depressing, it can be frustrating, it can be infuriating. And if you don't feel like you're being heard and validated, it's very easy to um, become someone who just doesn't have a lot of resources within themselves to draw from and they kind of close themselves off. I, I get that, I've experienced mm -hmm. that. Um, but I'm also finding that as I reach out more and also give space to other people to share their stories like you've done today. Um, that's beneficial. It's mutually beneficial. I mean, you know, I, I benefit from it because it helps me to feel connected to people. It helps me to keep going on some days when I really don't want to. Um, and hopefully for the people that I have on the show, it gives them a place to, to voice things that maybe they just don't have a, another outlet for there's no other platform to tell their story in quite the way it's told here. And then for the listener, I'm hoping again, that they continue to feel validated and heard and know that what they're experiencing isn't so outlandish and weird. There are other people going through the same thing. So, I mean, life just life changes. It doesn't have to be a bad change. Exactly. Necessarily. Um, well, we probably should wrap it up, but I do want you to share about oh, your yeah. book. Oh, yeah. My, um, my uh, first book, The Calisthenics Quest, was um, uh, put together a little while ago based on the idea that you don't need a gym uh, to reach your fitness goals. So I actually did mm -hmm. uh, all the photos for it at one of the local parks showing how to use your environment. Um, it wasn't my original book intention my my original oh, book i didn't know that idea was to work towards uh, martial art body conditioning but when i okay. started putting that together i realized it was a little too advanced for a beginner and thought mm -hmm. no let's do a beginner's guide to this and it, it really mm -hmm. kind of took off it um yeah. It did good on Amazon. Um, matter of fact, it's going to be, uh, because of my boss, a required reading uh, for um, uh, one of the classes I put together at um, Grand Valley State University. So, That's fantastic. Yeah, I did yeah. not know um, that. Starting next semester, <laughs> I wrote an entire awesome. calisthenics program for Grand Valley. Uh, they'll be the first university in the state to have it. And... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, my, they suggested that we use my book as the required reading for the course. So um, it, it covers wow. a little bit of everything from, you know, not being able to do a single push up or pull up all the way up to doing, you know, the, the muscle up and the human flag and, and all the uh, crazy calisthenic stunts mm -hmm. that are out there. 
<laughs> yes. The ones that yes, you show us yes. on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then, uh, yeah, I, I try to hold those, uh, you know, hold those workouts true even in my gym at Quest Fitness. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's been a, a fun journey yeah. and I'm working on book two right now. And we'll see. We'll oh, see if fantastic. I can actually put this one out the way I originally wanted it. Oh, okay. So that one's going to be the martial arts body conditioning Correct. that you're talking about. Is that? Oh, okay. Well, yes. When you uh, when you finalize that and get that out there, uh, feel free to come back on the show and talk about it. Because I mean, I I love the way you teach because you meet people where they are, and that is what a good trainer should do. Not all trainers do that, though. I've had friends who've had experiences with trainers who shame them for not being able to do what the trainer yeah, wants no. to do. And they get so frustrated, they end Our... up quitting. And I love the way you teach because you, um, you meet people where they are, and you meet them with what their body can do, and you push it just a little bit further yep. every time and get them to where they want to go. And that does so much, not just for their body, but that is so encouraging for the spirit to have somebody say, you can see the final goal here. You can see it and you help them see it too. And I love that. I love, I love when you write about it. I love when you um, post about it because I, I I mean, you and I have been in, in different ways familiar with the fitness industry for a long time. And you know, that's just not as common as it really should right. be. Right. Yeah. No, it's all about each individual's personal fitness journey. I'm just here to show you how to mm-hmm. get there and do it mm-hmm. in a manner where it's a positive manner. It's not, I'm going to shame you into doing this. Yeah. It's, it's, this is why you should feel good about what you're doing. You know, yeah, you might not be able to do that full push up yet, but hey, that's okay. There's ways to get there, and let's yep. talk about the steps to get there. Matter of fact, I've yeah. uh, got someone coming yeah. in shortly where we're going to talk about nutrition. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you for yeah. being Thanks here for today, Ray. And do you, if you feel like, you can um, tell people how to find you on the social media. Yeah, um, you can look me up on Instagram uh, under Quest Fit Gym. Or you can go to Facebook and uh, look up uh, Quest Fitness Gym uh, there as well. Awesome. All right. And I will make sure to put that in the episode description as well so people can find you there. And for the listeners, my book, Raised Evangelical, Losing My Faith, Finding Myself, is available on Amazon in Kindle and in paperback. And you can also provide listener support through Patreon at patreon.com slash raisedevangelical. Um, thank you, Ray. And thank you, everyone who's listening. Uh, go forward in the rest of your week feeling empowered to know that you are capable and you are loved and you are complete just as you are. Have a good one. And I'll have a good day. Next week.